0: Oh this is gonna be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us. ask Pete at com. That's ask Pete at petetheplanner.com. You're emailing us financial questions. Things you wonder about. And we, which means me and my friend Damien, who you'll meet here in a second, we answer those wonders and we change your life. And you become a billionaire, guaranteed. And then we work for you. Hi, Dame. Hi, Pete. I don't know. Weird day, my friend. Weird day. What if like I did the whole... Yeah. yeah, it feels like we've done this. A little deja vu. First questions from a guy named... I'm not going to share his name, but I am going to share his subject line. Just bought a new home and instantly regret it. Hmm. Read on. Hello, and thank you for taking the time to read my message. I recently sold my home due to the fact of wanting to get a bigger home in a neighborhood for our kids. I'm usually a very smart financial person, but somehow I really screwed this one up. I was thinking about the positives for my family and not thinking about the negatives when it came to the finances. I bought the house two or three months ago. And I can already foresee this is not going well financially. I do have around 80000 American dollars in equity in the house since that was my down payment. My question for you is, do I stay a little bit longer and fight through it for a year or two to build up more equity? Or since I can see the writing on the wall, should we look to get out now? Please let me know your thoughts. And thank you so much. So, uh, Dame, wow. Yeah. That's not good, man. No, I, that's got to be a horrible horrible feeling you know the first thing that jumps out to me though what makes him think he was right in the first place or what makes him actually think he was wrong in the first place and what makes him think that he's actually wrong now which is to say maybe he's just got
1: buyer's remorse but things are fine yeah you know i was thinking about this and after i bought my first home there was that period of panic that that set in now this isn't his first home but still i you know I think there's some leeway uh, to be had there that you just you're settling into your new reality and you're running through all the things that could potentially go wrong or go bad or this needs taken care of and attended to. And oh, my gosh, I made a huge mistake. I think that's totally natural.
0: I I do, too. It's the same feeling. I remember when you first started working here, that Mm -hmm. feeling of, oh, my
1: gosh, what what did we do? What in the world did I just sign myself up for? Right. Oh, this is going to ruin everything slightly older but much better looking he's in here all the time yeah but it worked out it did so So. here's what i
0: here's what i want to understand with this though is is his financial concern built around the idea that now he's got a bigger house so he didn't calculate the utility and upkeep upkeep costs is it property taxes and insurance is it now we got to furnish a bigger home or damn there could be something slightly more sinister here what if he tried to convince his significant other, who he didn't mention throughout the email other than the word our, what if he tried to convince her this was a good idea and when it was all said and done, he did it because he thought she would be happier and it really is a terrible idea and now he doesn't want to know what to do, including not including her name in the email because this is a giant stress point for their relationship. What do you
1: think about that? Well, lucky for you, uh, that is not the type of question we answer. So we'll see you next week on the Be the Planner Show. <laughs> all right so let's answer his question should a person in this situation let's say he's right
0: which i'm not convinced he is but let's say he's right and he should move should he do it now or should he do it later what about this idea of wait a year or two to build equity dame
1: unless he got a five-year mortgage i don't know if that's gonna make any sense yeah i'm not buying that one i i I would love to know what part of the country he's in too yeah oh i think i got an area code here let's take a look 781. What's that? You
0: want to do a little research on the fly here?
1: Yeah, sure. Let me uh let me be your fingers on Google here. Hang on. I've always wanted you to be my fingers on Google. What are we talking about? Uh this would be the suburbs of Boston, is where the area code is.
0: Oh
1: man, that's an yeah. expensive mistake. Yeah. I, this
0: takes on a whole new th- issue here. Number one, he's probably a Patriots fan, so I don't care what happens to him. Huh. What do you think now? It's a definitely a thirty-year mortgage, guaranteed. Oh man, I, I would, I would expect it. So there's man. no way you hang on longer in a mortgage you shouldn't have when it's a thirty-year mortgage, because like none of the equity is
1: actually building because your payment is going to pay towards interest. Yeah, uh, you're not going to make up any significant ground between now and and the time frame that you've laid out to uh, to maybe hold on to it. And uh, the other wrinkle that you know, nobody probably really wants to mention is that housing's done pretty darn well for a while. And if uh, the economy turns south, you might be stuck with something. Yeah, that's
0: the old risk reward. Did yeah. you hang on and let it grow based on the market being hot? Or in doing that, do you create more risk? Here's the other thing let's say he's cash flow negative right now because of utilities mm-hmm. or other expenses and remaining cash flow negative for months on months just uh, out of a speculation of an equity increase i I don't i don't think that makes sense dame so here's where i'm at first of all i'm not so sure this is not just buyer's remorse which is very common exactly uh but let's say he's right and it's a terrible idea and he should bail bail now go out now there's no reason it's it's what is it fire slow higher fast wait fire Higher, slow. What? How's it go? What do? What do you do? How do you? How do you run a business? A higher, slow, fire, fast. Right. That's what they say. <laughs> it's been a day. It has been a day. But at least we're not recording at the crack of dawn like we did last week, which I thought was a good show.
1: It was. It was uh, grumpy Peter, but that's okay.
0: I don't think late afternoon Peter is desirable for. Yeah,
1: we've tried that a couple times, and it has been a treat every time we've tried late afternoon too. I don't think so. If by a tree, if you're anyway, what? So what's you uh, with the information we have? He's got to sell now, right? Yeah, I I think if if it is indeed a legit mistake,
0: what a nightmare,
1: Dame. Yeah, I mean that's just you know the the upheaval your life goes through when you're you're making a move and making these decisions, and you just finished it, and you still aren't settled with it, and there may be some legit reasons on the wall that you got to make a decision and you might have to put your whole family back through that process. Oh, listen to this though. They just, he's said two or three months ago. They did
0: that. That was at the beginning of school. What if his kids just started a new school? Oh man, I hadn't thought about that. Oh, this is not good. Is that your phone again? Again? I,
1: you know Dame, what? It's I'm, now
0: one to zero again for electronic yeah. devices, ruining the show. It's not likely to start the show five times because of my malfeasance. Dame, uh, this is messy because they're going to lose the realtor fee in selling the home. And then where do they go from here? How do you recover from this? I wish we had a good radio show to call to ask.
1: Yeah. I, well, you, uh, you make a very uh, well considered home purchase for the, for the next one.
0: Do you rent to get back on your feet? Or at that point you're just wasting more money
1: given his stability. He's in theory. I mean, He's got eighty grand in equity, roughly. Uh, it, I mean, if he can sell the home, okay, and capture most of that equity, um, you know, figure out where this one went wrong. Was you know, was there something that that caught you out that you weren't expecting that you can plan better on for the next home and avoid this uh, this scenario the next time around? Maybe, maybe it's a simple, simple solution to this, and he can they can still be in a home. I I'm not sure renting is the right answer. Yeah. But, but you gotta be careful on that next purchase. I mean, you're, you're walking a thin line at this point. When my dad
0: used to yell at me when I was a kid and I'd be, you know, getting ornery and it'd be getting worse. Like I'd be escalating my hyperactivity. He would say, you're walking a thin line, bucko. Just like that. And you just said, then let me think about it. Well, sorry. I feel like I should call this guy. I feel like at this point I'm trying to just date my emailers. I'm just calling all these people. Yeah. I'm like, how many, is that just going to be part and parcel of the show now? I don't want to start us, calling people. I don't want to talk to anybody. That's why I'm talking to you. You're nobody. Remember, he's a Patriots fan. Right. Forget him. Bet the house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Coming up after the break. Actually, we have a downer of a topic coming up. Job loss. Mm. Mm. That's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner Show. Dame, next question comes from a reader. I don't know if we can use his name or not. So I'm just going to make up a name. Are you good with that? Yeah, let's, uh, let's, uh, can I pick? I think so. Go right ahead. How about, uh, let's go with Mike. Dear Pete and Damien, good day, mates. Oh, he listens to the mm. show. I would like to first and foremost thank you for your podcast. It's very refreshing to have found a finance investing podcast that is funny and entertaining while still being informative. All right, so Dame, I'm obviously the funny and entertaining and informative. What are you? I, I am the one in disagreement with you. I think I am the funny An informative one. I enjoy the dynamic that you both have with one another and can literally envision Damon, Damien rolling his eyes multiple times throughout the show at some of your comments. Okay. And move it on, Mike, keep up the great work, blah, blah, blah. I'm 33 years old, making around $125,000 in Cincinnati, Ohio area. I can't talk. So this will make for good radio. My wife is a stay at home mother and we have two children. We currently have around $110,000, that's U.S. dollars, the emailer notes. Oh, damn, this is good. In our retirement accounts, which is all tax prepaid. Currently, I'm saving around 25% of my gross income, maxing out my work Roth 401k, as well as maxing out two Roth IRAs set up for my wife and myself. My question is, in regards to attempting to figure out our percentage of income needed in retirement, in my mind... We will enter retirement with no debt, including our mortgage, which currently amounts to about 15% of our gross income. In addition, retirement savings eats up around 25% of our gross income currently. I won't need to pay much in the way of income taxes in retirement because we're investing tax prepaid in Roth vehicles. So in my mind, that would mean our family, assuming the same standard of living, could live on 50% of our income. Or less, as this is what we're living on now. Is 50% an acceptable number for calculating our retirement savings needs, or am I missing something? Thanks in advance for answering my question, and I look forward to hearing your answer, Mike. Dame, wow, this guy. I like Mike. I want to be like Mike. Okay, so. On the surface, a lot of times in retirement planning, they throw out just all sorts of numbers when it comes to how much of your income will you need in retirement based on what you you know your career earnings would be. And the number that I always
1: remember hearing was 80%. Is that yep. the number that you always worked with? Yeah, I think that was the standard for a long time for uh, for most people just to uh, have something to shoot at 80%. So roughly uh, what most people live on now after their, their income taxes are taken out. So 80% of what your salary is is roughly what you live on. And uh, I always had a problem with that uh, the more I got into financial planning. And
0: I really felt if you do it right, if you attack the problem from both sides, both a supply of money and a demand for money, you could really get down to around 60% pretty easily by eliminating your mortgage. But our man Mike here takes it to a completely different level by focusing on Roth vehicles because he just gets taxed completely out of the way which means he's not going to have to pay tax at retirement.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting little twist uh, by making sure that variable is taken out of the equation in the future and uh, taking care of it now. So, if you don't have to think about that uh, or take that consideration in, then goodness, you you might be onto something here, Mike. So we
0: always talk about in our world how much uh, from an asset standpoint, you know, how what are your assets, and then what's the distribution rate off of this. But on some level, and Dame, you sent me an article uh, last week about maybe there's some idea about how much of your current income you're actively saving and thus uh, eliminating that money from your expenses now and how that might be a better measure altogether of someone's financial fitness, which is why I like our term power percentage for regular listeners. They know that power percentage is how. We display the efficiency of our income, no matter what our income is. Dame, could we actually be right here for a moment?
1: I, it really—I uh, had to read the article twice that I sent you because it seemed like we were right on top of something and and ahead of somebody else as well. Let's make sure we point that out as uh, in addition. So. I think there's something to this, that we, uh, we focus on something uh, uh, a little bit more in control in the now than necessarily something that we uh, aren't sure we're going to have a, an idea of in the future.
0: I say the phrase a lot in the cute little turn of phrase that follows it, uh, but I believe people who retire successfully will be able to do so because they don't need a lot of money as opposed to people who think they're going to be able to retire because they have a lot of money. And I think with what we're talking about here, Dame, we're talking about in the moment, this guy's 33 years old. He's decided he wants to create a scenario in which his glide path of career income is smooth and there's no increase of income need heading towards retirement, hit retirement, and then dive off the cliff because
1: you've consumed
0: so much money via lifestyle creep.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you really think about it, there is one variable that we can all control for the most part when we get to retirement. Okay, let me guess this. Okay, hold on. Say that
0: again. Sounds like a riddle. Are we doing riddles? Possibly. Okay, just set it up.
1: I want to win. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there is one variable (laughs) that we can control as we enter into retirement. For the win, what is it? our demand for income. Yeah. How much money do we need to to live on inside of retirement? There's lots of stuff that we aren't going to have control over. Uh, That's uh, inflation and rates of return and, and all that other stuff with the money that we've accumulated. However, we can control the demand for money. How much money do we need to live on from a month to month, week to week, year to year basis? And that can have a huge determining effect not only on our sanity, but uh, our success in retirement. Isn't it interesting to think that we spend decades trying to accumulate money and we don't
0: have much of an operative strategy built around our demand for money?
1: It is interesting. Uh, Oftentimes we focus on more income, more income, more income with a little bit of savings on the side, but maybe what we should be doing is focusing more on the, uh, the spending side of the ledger, uh, and saving side of the ledger than, than just the accumulation as well. I like the idea though, uh, that
0: sometimes we look at how people, uh, strategize for retirement and they say, well, it's really about what investments I have. And it's really about the fees I pay. And it's really about, it's about all these things that you kind of can't control. Although you can choose, obviously, uh, what advisor you want and the fees you'll pay that person. But Dame it's, you know, success is in a person's personal reach. It's not all these factors that they can't control. They can control their demand for many. Sure. Uh, Can I let you
1: in on a little secret? Please do. If you're in a well allocated portfolio, the actual investments that you choose, assuming they fit each of the, the, the types of investments you're trying to, uh, uh, Account for the actual investments themselves don't count all that don't matter all that much. So you don't need to spend a whole lot of time trying to find the absolute perfect investment for that uh, that specific area in your portfolio. Find one that works. Make sure it's still maintaining itself uh, year after year. But don't uh, don't stress yourself out over making sure you've got the absolute best investment. Are you suggesting people eat sensibly
0: and work out on a regular basis? Yes. Yeah. Is that groundbreaking? I, well, no, it just, it it always comes back to that, doesn't it? Like we'd like to, oh, what's this app will help you just for everyone relax. Like we got to focus on the standard behaviors. And I, I don't know. I wish it were more complicated than that. But what's so complicated about it, it's difficult to execute a simple plan sometimes. Uh, And I hate it because it has to do with our behavior and human nature, but it's our reality. Dame, coming up after the break, let's talk about job loss. It's the holiday season, which means people lose their jobs. Sorry, bro. I don't come up with these things. It's just the way it's uh, come to be in the last two decades. So job loss around the holidays, what to do, how to pick up the pieces. Well, that's next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner show, Dame talking uh, grooming during the break. Well, Sounds like you
1: had quite the shave here recently. It's uh, something that I am uh, uh, very, very conscious about my my personal grooming, and uh, the experience I had was well is enjoyable, but the results not so much. When you talk on the
0: phone all day long and answer emails from people all over the country about their financial lives, you want to look your best.
1: I mean, look your best, feel your best, Pete.
0: Dame, it's that time of year again when. Bad things can happen in the workplace. I don't want to be Dunny Downer here, but the reality is, it is no longer the fruitcake which can soil your year-end plans. Dame, it's layoff season, brother. It is layoff season, and a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, no one knows. In the Indianapolis Business Journal, I wrote about this, and lo and behold, did I not wake up this morning, open the business section, and the top four articles? And by open this business section, of course, I mean on a laptop. The top four articles were all about mass layoffs dame there's two ways to get to profitability revenue and cutting expenses and when people try to hit bonuses and hit particular markers and they don't hit the revenue number then they have to trim the workforce and that is what's happening dame it is a horrible
1: time of year to lose your job yeah i and unfortunately you're exactly right it seems like it's becoming more and more common and uh you know what unfortunately I expect to field some of these phone calls and questions.
0: Now, you might be thinking, am I setting you up by letting you know that there are a lot of layoffs and it's not unusual to be laid off?
1: Yes. I mean, that thought did cross my mind. This is a very uncomfortable topic for me to have uh, my my boss talk to me about. Uh, this could be a, well, it would certainly be uh, replayed on on uh, various media forums about somebody getting laid off live on air, but uh, I'm hoping that's not what's happening
0: dame i ask you here today to do your performance review no listen uh when you find out you, you, you lose your job it, it's always a bad thing uh the, the, i'm not doing a bit I'm, I'm back to being serious um but it's also especially horrible when, when you get to the holidays because a lot of emotions involved you think of your family you think about stability you think about providing a nice experience whatever holidays you happen to celebrate and that's especially tough when you don't have income and I know Dame what disappears when someone loses their job is their income but what I want to focus our time on here today is about everything other than their income maybe we'll hit the income at the end but reality is Dame when someone loses their job they lose their benefits and that is especially troubling in in you know light of healthcare expenses today in light of someone's possible insurability based on their health uh, whenever it comes to disability insurance and life insurance. Dame, maybe someone is leaving a company that had a great pension or a great retirement plan. So let's start with health insurance. Dame, what are some things you can do? You find you're getting laid off. You feel like you may have some leverage to negotiate something.
1: Can it make sense to actually try to negotiate how long your health coverage lasts? Um, Sure. I mean, it's the first thing you have to realize is that it is going to be most likely drastically more expensive for you, uh, whether you take uh, a company provided option, which is is a Cobra option, or if you have to go out on the open market. So prepare yourself. Now, you might be able to help yourself uh, with the expenses somewhat if you can negotiate uh, part of that in your package, but um, it will be more expensive. So just be prepared.
0: Yeah, I think the COBRA insurance that you often hear about uh, is, is pretty interesting. COBRA stands for the Consolidated Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act. It's a health insurance program that allows an eligible employee and his or her dependents. The continued benefits of health insurance coverage in case that the employee loses their job, that's a very valuable thing, and it's pretty decent coverage. Now, some people choose, like you just said, though they can't afford it. So then they go into the the marketplace because it is a considered to be a qualifying act, and they'll get cheaper coverage. But damn, that coverage can be so drastically different in quality and scope than it can be is uh, more stressful, you know, than than the added cost of the Cobra coverage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you may have a, a family member who has some very specialized needs and. Uh, You may have to choose a policy that is uh, not what you would ideally hope for, and and you're going to start um, incurring these costs that you haven't had to foot the bill for. And so this, this just adds yet another layer of stress on top of what can be a very stressful season for people in general.
0: I know this is weird, but when I look, we've worked with people, hundreds of people who've lost their jobs before. I, I mean, I've worked with thousands of people when, when carrier plant shut down back in 2016. We did a lot of work around that. Uh, Dame, it's not again, it's not always about the income, but it's things like what's going to happen health insurance wise. But then it turns into, are you stressed enough And or are you too stressed, right? You have to have the proper level of reaction for the moment. And I find people sort of underreact to job loss or they overreact and create a lot of trouble for themselves. And this is my way of saying, and in a very unhelpful way, don't panic, but try to match the occasion, which is a bad occasion to the proper reaction. And and Dame, that's where a lot of people miss the boat with this.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think the the time of year uh, compounds the issue for for most people I mean, because you you've got all these plans with your family, and there's going to be parties that you're going to, and you know people are going to ask you how you're doing and what's going on, and you're going to have to address the issue, and uh, so the time of year and the and the stress that goes along with that it just adds to the complexity of the situation. But you're right; there there needs to be a proper motivation when you lose your job to to you know, just start go finding something else. But don't let it be debilitating at the same time. Let me see if I can quiz you,
0: just like you quizzed me in the last segment, seeing if we can come up with a, a good answer here. Dame, what is the number one source that people turn to when their income disappears and they don't know where to turn for money? Where do, where do most uh, newly, freshly unemployed people turn when it comes to this scenario?
1: Is there an answer that you know to this? Uh, uh, this uh, is uh, anecdotal anecdotal um anecdotally i mean i i would say unemployment but i think you're probably going for friends and family i was uh no so this failed miserably i was going (laughs) i
0: was going for sometimes people just liquidate their retirement account you know and they 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 live off that retirement account as it stretches on i i see it all the time and by the way we don't want anyone to do that. No. We want to be that the absolute last thing that someone
1: does. But I see it all the time. Yeah, you are exactly right. I, I guess maybe we should have done some show notes maybe beforehand. That that'd be novel, but but um, you see that more than anything else, don't you? No, you are you are exactly right. People will uh, say, "Well, you know what? I, I don't have anything going on, so I am just gonna take a s this one time distribution from my my four hundred one k to to make sure I can get through until the the next job starts uh, starts kicking in there."
0: I don't know why I thought about bringing this up right now, but I'm about to salt every open wound on the planet, especially for people who have just lost their job. You know, this gets especially bad name is when someone has a 401k loan oh, and they yeah. lose their job. Absolutely. It is the worst possible scenario. Cause what happens? So what happens, say, what happens ahead. then Pete? Well, what happens is Dame. thanks for asking. Uh, you owe tax on what is then considered a withdrawal. Cause you can't pay back the loan Once you lose your job, so you owe tax on the outstanding loan. So if I've borrowed $50,000 from my 401k, please don't ever do that, and you lose your job, then I owe, and I've not paid any of it back. Let's say the week before, times are tough, and I borrow $50,000, I will owe, at tax time, tax on that $50,000 withdrawal.
1: Yeah, technically, you do have sixty days to repay it after you lose your job. Where's the
0: money coming from, Dame? I know the money. I
1: I know, but I'm saying you're you're right. You're right. right. Sixty days. So you know, maybe maybe you hustle and you go find that other job. And I I don't know. Maybe you find a way to make ten thousand dollars appear out of thin air. But okay. So let's say
0: you do have sixty days
1: to repay the loan at the uh, your
0: job termination. Correct. Correct. Okay. And then at that point in time, you owe tax on it. That is and, reason number what and penalty. And penalty. Yeah. yeah, I know. This is why we don't want people to take four hundred and one k loans. Not because we're afraid you're going to lose your job. Although if you do, it's going to be the worst thing that's ever happened because you just compounded your problem. Yep. So here's what, with, with ten seconds left, let me just say this: If you lose your job and you need some help, just email us. We're going to help you. We're not going to charge you. Ask Pete at Pete, the That's my promise. Come up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and more. I'm Pete the Planner. on the Pete the Planner show, Dame, it's this week's biggest waste of money of the week every week here on the Pete the Planner radio show. We identify the biggest waste of money of the week. We are heading into Thanksgiving season. And Dame, that means Black Friday is nigh. The most the most hallowed time of year. <laughs> it really is. And that means people are going to be out shopping for things, big discounts. And Dame, usually I tell people not to spend money. But I have a gift idea for this year. This week's biggest waste of money is the best use of money of the week. And it's something I tried when I was in Des Moines last week. Dame, I have never been more thrilled in my life to do what I'm about to tell you to do. Have you ever
1: used a virtual reality headset? Uh, for like a, a minute at a time, but not for an extended period, yeah. How long ago was this? Oh, two years ago. Okay. Dame. I'm at my
0: friend's office in Des Moines. He said, put this over your face. And I thought, well, he just doesn't want to see my face, which could be true. It is what's called the Oculus uh, Quest. It's an all-in-one virtual reality headset with these little paddle shifter things you hold in your hands. It's a wireless, completely wireless. Dame, this thing is life-changing. It's $399 or $499,
1: somewhere in there. Life-changing, Damien. So what experience did you have in the Oculus? uh, uh, I
0: actually went on a date. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Here's what we decided, my friend and I, Troy. We decided that if you're single and you just live completely by yourself and you can live in your own world it might be the greatest invention of all time. Why, you say? Why? Because you can, wherever you are, you've got the world's largest TV in your face. So you put these goggles on, and the way it all works is like you, you can watch like Netflix or watch a movie, and you're watching it on this screen, even though it's just little goggles. The way the optics work, it makes it look like you're in, uh, what are those called? The IMAX. IMAX. It makes you feel like you're in IMAX and you're in the movie and it's like – it feels 3D. I was watching a professional basketball game from courtside and as you turn your head, dude, you just look around like you're there. It was insane. I I don't spend money on stuff like this but I – uh, yes, you can watch live TV on it. You can watch, you know, replay of games as well. There's a camera on top of the basketball. Court, so there's the is like coming at you and you can look around the court in real time. It is absurd. I, I don't think people should spend $500 on things like this other than this. I, it is I, amazing.
1: Yeah, I think you should spend $500 on this for the office. I feel like productivity might go down, Dame. It's a chance that I'm willing to take.
0: It's the greatest thing ever. If I was single and I didn't want to talk to anyone for the rest of my life, it sounds great, actually. No offense, anybody, especially my wife. I would get the Oculus Quest all-in-one virtual reality headset. This gets my highest endorsement for something I probably will never buy. I tried to explain this to my wife how great it was, and I think she started to get a complex about like my relationship with this thing.
1: Do they uh, do they have video games for this uh, system yet?
0: Oh, it's funny you ask. I'm not a video game guy because, again, I like people. That's not going to go well. That no. comment's not going to work. No. Uh, anyway, uh, amazing video games on it. Amazing. I was fighting Darth Vader. A little sword fight action with lightsabers, of course. Okay. Um, <laughs> all sorts of different games you can play on it. You can do boxing. You can box. You have get some other. Loser with a headset and you can box with them. And just not get punched in the face. Right. You stand at a good distance. Dame, the Social Security retirement age could go up. Everyone knows that. But I was reading a story this week on CNBC. You know, they've got great news stories when it comes to money. And there was one number here that blew my mind that I did not realize. And that is, now i got to find it. Uh, Listen to this. If the full retirement age is raised and the earliest age to claim stays the same. Okay, so earliest age you can claim right now is what,
1: Dame? 62.
0: The the, uh, normal retirement age for most people uh, listening to the show, 1960 and after, it's age 67. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was 1944 to 1953 is 66 and he had some change in there. Anyway, no one cares, right? Did I mess it up? Nope, you got it. Okay. And then uh, the max age is 70. But Dame, if they move the age up to like 72 or 75, here's what happens. If they keep the earliest age the same when they do this, which is they, what they are likely to do, when you're 62, you will receive less benefit. Right. Of course, once you think about it, that makes sense. But before you think about it, you're like, well, why? It's because your social security pool of money has to be spread out over a longer period of time, so they're going to have to pay you less. So this is going to take people's financial planning and turn it on its head if that's the direction they go. Of course, their only alternative is to move 62 back to like 64 or something like that. But then that throws a lot of financial planning on its head when it relates to people planning a pension and how that Social Security can give that pension some relief a
1: couple years into retirement. Yeah, this is no small uh action that they're planning on taking they you know you think oh what's a big deal you just pass a law you move the social security retirement age and there it goes but no this is uh this is much much bigger than than a simple snap of the fingers
0: i don't know whether your opinion or my opinion matters on this but do you assume for people our
1: age that uh, your social security age will move back I'd like to say, yeah, that I I do expect it. But looking at all the gridlock that we've seen in Washington, D.C. for the last two decades, I'm not convinced that they're going to do anything productive in the foreseeable future.
0: Google will begin offering checking accounts to consumers next year as part of its push into financial services, reports the Wall Street Journal. The product currently codenamed Cache. Mm-hmm. I never know how to say that, will be run by Citigroup and a small lender, Stanford Federal Credit Union. It's old curmudgeon opinion time here on the Pete the Planner Show. So if you will allow me, damn, I don't. I, that's, this is not a good idea.
1: Um, no, I mean, people, people get up in arms about the uh, big brother washing over all their data. And now they just want him to be in charge of their finances and have... Uh, all of the keys to the kingdom. I'm not sure why people think this is going to be fantastic. Do you think this is primarily being talked about because we happen to be in an era, be it
0: short or long of deregulation where there anything goes, you know, the sort of that libertarian approach of, you know, the, the government should have no sort of impact whatsoever on, on rules of law and those sorts of things. Do you think that's why this is happening right now? Uh,
1: could be, but did you just say that government shouldn't have any impact on rules of law? Have you been?
0: Never mind. We probably should not go to where I was about to go okay. on the show. Uh, but no, but the idea of regulation—I mean, sure. regulation and law are different. But but deregulation is about removing barriers so that free trade can be free trade. Uh, and I I would say that this is a nasty byproduct of that. I don't the large tech companies getting involved in financial services is a giant mistake. And this is again, Mister Curmudgeon, Pete the Planner. That's my opinion.
1: I think there are plenty of uh, fine institutions, not necessarily large institutions, but plenty of fine institutions that you can choose to do your banking with. And uh, technology companies, uh, maybe not best route for them to try and find another foothold in our lives dame i hope you have a good thanksgiving
0: when we go around the thanksgiving table at my house this year i'm going to tell everyone i'm thankful for you damien dunn and my family will say is that a relative and i'll say nope no relation dame what is your favorite as we close here what is your favorite thanksgiving dish what is your favorite food to consume on american thanksgiving
1: i uh i like dark meat turkey to be perfectly uh perfectly simple
0: wow i did not expect you to say that sorry i I don't want to rate your answer as good and or bad but that's a bad answer
1: well i like you know, corn casserole and green beans with okay. bacon uh, there we I mean, go these are better answers sides are better answers okay well if you would have said what's your favorite side then i probably would have done that uh you know deep fried deep fried turkey taste. i like too as well that's a better answer um fantastic
0: uh you know what i like ending the show That's all we have time for this week. Send you good vibes, because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show.